Rudy Giuliani, you've you've handled impeachments in your life. Is that in, in your mind an impeachable offense? One hundred percent. Absolutely. Not only that, I think he's guilty of treason. Uh, treason can only take place during a time of war. He defined what was going on in Afghanistan as war. Before he ended the war and took our troops out, he gave them two to three billion dollars in very dangerous armament, including uh, Black Hawk helicopters, bombs, explosives, biometric equipment. He gave it to our enemy. Then he gave them the names of the people who cooperated with us, and he gave them biometric equipment to go find those people and kill them, which now Al-Ipsa is doing. They're doing it. They're carrying it out. It's a subgroup of Haqqani that specializes in that. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Hang on. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You're saying not just impeachable. You would impeach him on the charge of treason, giving aid and comfort to our enemy in a time of war. Let's rewind that for a second. Walk the audience through. That's a pretty big charge. Well, and Rudy, you're a man that takes that a That is a serious. fastball. That's a fastball. So that give is us, a fastball give from it, America's man. Well, Mayor, second, back, well, partic- about it, particularly running up on 9-11, 9/11, and this being Afghanistan, which we went in on October seventh. Well, what, what, what walk is, the. Want me to walk you through it legally? Yes. Yes, sir. The Constitution says that treason is giving help to our enemies in time of war. According to him, according to Trump, we were at war in Afghanistan. We just ended our longest war, right? Before the war ended, he made the Bagram Air Force Base available to them. He made somewhere between two and five billion dollars in lethal armaments available to the Taliban. He gave them a list of the people who cooperated with us, and he gave them the biometric equipment to go find them and kill them, which they are now doing through a group called Al-Ipsa, which is associated with the Haqqani network, who are their allies. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but that defines treason. And uh, his defense would be insanity. His defense would be, I don't know what I'm doing. And probably that's correct. He doesn't know what he's doing. But what he did is is completely beyond anything I've ever heard of in American history. The Taliban is the group that sponsored Al-Qaeda when they came here 20 years ago to kill our people. We're going to we're going to remember the 20th anniversary now knowing they were put back in charge of, of Afghanistan by our demented president. I think I laid it out in the National Pulse. So people should go to the nationalpulse.com. I have an op-ed piece there. I, uh, I entitle it America Last uh, because if you look at the decisions he made, every single decision hurt America. And there's another, there's another thing that's very, very compelling, Steve. Giving up the Bagram Air Base Bagram is 400 miles from China. How could you give that up as a strategic advantage against the country that wants to overtake us, has already overtaken our Navy? You give away an air base 400 miles from China and 500 miles from Iran? That has nothing to do with Afghanistan. That has to do with all the money he got from China. 
this is my point. You were the driver of the hard drive from hell, right? We assisted to the degree we assisted. It was you that found it. You put it forward. Are you implying in your treason charge that part of this is driven by what the hard drive from hell showed about money, the Biden family, and the they were in business with CCP-controlled companies and CCP officials? Is that the implication you're, you're putting How forward? How can I ignore that, Steve? Uh, the man does something completely incomprehensible. He gives up an air base 400 miles from our biggest enemy. You would die to get that air base. You'd pay millions of dollars, billions, to get that air base. We have it. We give it up. Who in his right mind would do that? Maybe that's the answer. It's either he's not by in the his way, right mind or he's corrupt. But you don't mayor, give up the airport. an air base right now 400 miles from China. Unless and by the way, Bagram, seriously wrong with you. Bagram was one airbase. He also gave up the airport. And we've seen the videos of the Taliban in American yeah, military even, equipment. I'm not even addressing myself to that, Boris, because I find it extraordinary that nobody notices that that airbase is 400 miles from China. And he gave it away. And by the way, Miley, Miley testified in July or June that that air base wasn't strategic. Wow. Yeah. So they don't regard China as an enemy. If he can Mayor, say it's not had strategic, a... they don't regard China as an enemy. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. I want to bring in now America's mayor. Uh, Rudy, you've been, um, Mary, you've been in politics a long time. Talk to, talk to the audience about the importance of these numbers and the political capital that Joe Biden is bleeding out every second of every day. It's actually amazing, uh, Steve, because that's based on the American people only getting about half the information because they're deprived of the other half. For example, two weeks ago, he was held in contempt by the Parliament of Great Britain. That is a historic act, not reported in the New York Times. And the language they used was brutal, including raising issues about his mental competence and the fact that the Brits can no longer just kind of like uh, 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 hope that he's going to protect them. They got to protect themselves. That's when Boris Johnson sent his own troops in and took his own people out. Uh, very similar comments in France. All of this is being censored and the American people don't get it. And even with that, he's sinking. The real problem for them, Steve and Boris, is this. Biden can't improve. This is not a Bill Clinton or even a Ronald Reagan or a George Bush or, or a Trump or an Obama who could rally because they were, they were competent uh, mentally. The, the, the illness he has just brings him down. He gets worse. But, 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 but hold on, it's not just better. the illness. They're not going to let, they're not going to be able to put him you, in front of a, in front of an audience but, and have him explain this. He'll fall you know, apart. But, you, but you hang on, hang on, but you have to have a base. This is why 3 November is so important. It's proving the fact there's no there there. There's nobody prepared Absolutely. to stand up for He's this guy. And you know what the worst part is, too, Mayor and Steve? You know what the worst part is? In that Marist poll, 
where he is in the mid-30s with independents, that poll still is plus seven Democrats. Wow. 36 Democrats, 29 independents, 36 Democrats, 29 Republicans, 34 independents. By the way, that is not the breakdown of the, this country. The Economist is D14. D14. They're rigging yes. the makeup of yes. the polls, yes. and he still comes up. He still comes hiding, up in the 30s with independents. And Boris, they're still hiding information. Still, oh, yeah, they, you've got, I just had to click like on six different things to get the crosstabs. There are about totally right. eight or nine lies that they have been spared, that have been concealed. How about the one today, right. the other day, when he said he went to the synagogue that he never went to? That was, yeah. To, Pittsburgh. To life. Pittsburgh. people. What a pathetic, what a pathetic but, liar But, but, but hold is. it. Let's, let, 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 let's assume that's just marginally for a second. Let's go back, because you were the president's counsel in the first impeachment. The, um, you know, the interagency process. Talk to me about, and, and Jack Posobiec was here today saying, hey, that got leaked by guys who are fed up with this thing already in the intelligence community. Talked about Ghani's, talked about the Ghani conversation where he told Ghani to lie. Flat out, it's in the transcript. He told Ghani to lie. Rudy Giuliani, you've, you've handled impeachments in your life. Is that, in, in your mind, an impeachable offense? Uh, 100%. Absolutely. Not only that, I think he's guilty of treason. Uh, treason can only take place during a time of war. He defined what was going on in Afghanistan as war. Before he ended the war and took our troops out, he gave them 2 to $3 billion in very dangerous armament, including uh, Black Hawk helicopters, bombs, explosives, biometric equipment. He gave it to our enemy. Then he gave them the names of the people who cooperated with us, and he gave them biometric equipment to go find those people and kill them, which now Al-Ipsa is doing. They're doing it. They're carrying it out. It's a subgroup of Haqqani that specializes in that. Okay. Ho, ho, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You're saying not just impeachable. You would impeach him on the charge of treason, giving aid and comfort to our enemy in a time of war. Let's rewind that for a second. Walk the audience through. That's a pretty big charge. Well, and Rudy, you're a man that's takes that a That is a fastball. That's a fastball. So did, that give is us, a fastball give from it, America's man. Well, Mayor, second, back, well, partic about it particularly legal. running up on 9/11, 9/11, and this being Afghanistan, which we went in on October seventh. Well, what, what, what walk is, the. Want me to walk you through it legally? Yes. Yes, yes, sir. The Constitution yes, sir, says that treason is giving help to our enemies in time of war. According to him, according to Trump, we were at war in Afghanistan. We just ended our longest war, right? Before the yes, war sir. ended, he made the Bagram Air Force Base available to them. He made somewhere between two and five billion dollars in lethal armaments available to the Taliban. He gave them a list of the people who cooperated with us, and he gave them the biometric equipment to go find them and kill them, which they are now doing through a group called Al-Ipsa, which is associated with the Haqqani network, who are their allies. Now, I, there's a lot more to it than that, but that defines treason. And uh, the, wow. his defense would be insanity. His defense would be, wow. I don't know what I'm doing. And probably that's correct. He doesn't know what he's doing. But what he did is 
is completely beyond anything I've ever heard of in American history. The Taliban is the group that sponsored Al-Qaeda when they came here 20 years ago to kill our people. We're going we're gonna to remember the 20th anniversary now knowing they were put back in charge of, of Afghanistan by our demented president. I mean, no, uh, in a terrorist in a terrorist super state in a terrorist super state. Let me ask you, Rudy, because you they're know, coming out of the woodwork. You're on a Saturday Night Live skit. You know, when you were doing the Michigan hearings, they're mocking, ridiculing you. We wouldn't be here today right. with a firestorm of full forensic audits in 50 states closing in in Arizona, closing in in Georgia. Now st- starting a process in Pennsylvania that's going to be a real process. And you got grassroots doing their own process in Wisconsin. Ryan's previous and the guys up there. OK. And as we said from the beginning, the most important thing, it questions to the American people when they start paying attention, his legitimacy. Rudy Giuliani did that. Rudy Giuliani started that in Gettysburg with Doug Mastriano. He had to grind it out. He was mocked and ridiculed. But that's why we got visibility on a day. And trust me, they're scared to death in the White House. You keep pounding this. You add on the illegitimacy to all of his incompetence. That's when you get down to the 20s. Now, Rudy. The way you did that is you were relentless with Boris and others going around the country doing these hearings. Are you prepared to do the same thing? Since you're the most revered figure and we're coming up on one of the most sacred moments in American history, the 20th anniversary of the bloodiest day in American history, bloodier than Antietam, a worse attack than Pearl Harbor. Okay, are you prepared to make, and if we were to help set it up, the same type of presentation, the same type of hearings, the same type of thing around your treason charge against Joe Biden specifically for his actions in ending the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, um, I think I laid it out in the national pulse. So people should go to the national pulse.com. I have an op-ed piece there. I, uh, I entitle it America last, uh, because if you look at the decisions he made, every single decision hurt America. And there's another there's another thing that's very, very compelling, Steve. Giving up the Bagram Air Base. Bagram Huge. is 400 miles from China. How could you give that up as a strategic advantage against the country that wants to overtake us, has already overtaken our Navy? You give away an air base 400 miles from China and 500 miles from Iran? That has Rudy, to do the with Rudy, well, the that implication has to do with all here, the money he got from China. This is my point. You were the driver of the hard drive from hell, right? We assisted to the degree we assisted. It was you that found it. You put it forward. Are you implying in your treason charge that part of this is driven by what the hard drive from hell showed about money, the Biden family, and the they were in business with C- CCP-controlled companies and CCP officials? Is that the implication you're, you're putting How forward? How can I ignore that, Steve? Uh, the man does something completely incomprehensible. He gives up an air base 400 miles from our biggest enemy. You would die to get that air base. You'd pay millions of dollars, billions, to get that air base. We have it. We give it up. Who in his right mind would do that? Maybe that's the answer. It's either he's not by in his the right way, mind or he's corrupt. But you don't give up airport. air base right now, 400 miles from China. Unless and there's by the way, Bagram, seriously wrong with you. 
Bagram was one airbase. He also gave up the airport. And we've seen the videos of the Taliban in American yeah, military even, equipment. I'm not even addressing myself to that, Boris, because I find it extraordinary that nobody notices that that airbase is 400 miles from China. And he gave it away. And by the way, Miley, Miley testified in July or June that that airbase wasn't strategic. Wow. Yeah. So they don't regard China as an enemy. If he can Mayor, say it's not strategic, a... they don't regard China as an enemy. I want to talk about the podcast. It's up on Raheem Kassam's National Pulse, this uh, pretty hot op-ed piece where Rudy makes some pretty tough charges here. That's on National Pulse. Tell us about the podcast. Tell us about your social media because I can tell you already, I know what media matters, what segment media matters is going to pull already. <laughs> so we might as well get ready for hey, it. Hey, Madeline Pouts. No, she's all that thing. I don't know if she's back yet. I hope you're uh, better. No, we hope you're better, Madeline. We mean that. We um, miss you. Yeah, you're marketing director. Uh, Rudy, podcast, radio show, social media. Well, the podcast now has uh, Mark, uh, Mark Levin and I talking about uh, – about wow. Biden and uh, the extraordinary harm that he's done to the United States, which really amounts to treason. Uh, there's also a, a really interesting thing on there about a about a sanctuary for the dogs that were fighting in a, were helping us in Afghanistan that he also left behind. I mean, obviously, you know, for some people that would be considered not that important, but these are dogs that saved American lives. Yeah. Along with people, Rudy, 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 we got to bounce. We'll put your social media up. I want to appreciate it so much you coming on. We'll get everybody to your podcast. America's Mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Thank you, sir. And the Biden administration left behind an awful lot of Americans, but also nearly $90 billion in military equipment. How much is that? Well, only two countries on the planet have a military budget larger, China and the United States. So the Taliban now have the best equipped military of its size in the history of the world. What do they have? Well, according to a tally by the Times of London, the Taliban just received more than 22,000 Humvees, more than 50,000 trucks and other armored vehicles, as well as a sizable air force. It comes with four C-130 transport planes, dozens of other fixed-wing aircraft, and up to 350 combat helicopters. The Taliban now has more Blackhawks than many developed nations, and those are just the vehicles. Taliban soldiers also got more than 350,000 American rifles, 126,000 handguns, and approximately 64,000 heavy machine guns. It's quite an arsenal. It's all at your expense. It's a disaster, obviously, but it also makes for a striking contrast with what is happening in this country. At the very moment the White House is arming our new friends, the Taliban, they are working hard to disarm you. Whether or not it makes the news, it is happening. The administration just announced quietly it is banning some of the most commonly purchased ammunition in the United States. This move will certainly and intentionally lead to severe shortages in this country. That's why they did it. Joe Biden himself has said repeatedly he would like to prevent you from owning the firearms that most Americans use to defend themselves and their families. And those efforts are now accelerating. So how about this as an answer? No. You're not allowed to give more than half a million guns to the Taliban, guns that we paid for, and then try and take our guns away in this country. Sorry, that's not how it works. So shut up and back off. 
Now, one more word about gun control from these people until they get back every single rifle from Kandahar. That is the rule. They're creating a false history of the world. This has become so prevalent this false, this idea of, well, let's give black people credit for stuff white people did and make black people seem all like they're, they're unsung heroes. And the white people are all these like actual villains just taking credit for all the stuff that black people have done. This has become such a popular thing to do for Democrats. Even Joe Biden is doing it. Joe Biden, Joe Biden actually said that the light bulb was not invented by Thomas Edison but rather it was invented by a black guy. Why in God's name don't we teach history in history classes? A black man invented the light bulb, not a white guy named Edison, okay? Now that is absolutely false. It's not even remotely true. White people are awesome. Mr. Reagan. We need to stop being afraid to acknowledge the accomplishments of white people. Now. This is not something that I like to say, actually. I mean, I know a lot of people try to characterize, uh, you know, Republicans as these horrible racist white people. But in my entire life, from when I was a little boy, really, you know, throughout my time at school, I don't remember any teacher of history, any teacher ever saying anything positive about white people ever as a group right? Killed off the Native Americans, you enslaved black people, all this kind of stuff. However, we weren't afraid to talk about the accomplishments of Isaac Newton, of Edgar Allan Poe, the myriad of great inventors, great artists, great architects, great uh, champions of justice and liberty and all the great things that, you know, people have accomplished, you know, white people have accomplished, Europeans, people of European heritage have accomplished uh, for decades, centuries. And there was never any mention of, oh, all of these accomplishments, they were the accomplishments of white people. Nobody ever said anything like that. We never talked about white people really as a group. We never even talked about Europeans as like, you know, great inventors or great artists or anything. We never really talked about anything like that. Um, it was more the individual. And that's how I think we need to talk about people throughout history because there were great black men throughout history. There were great Asian people throughout history, great Muslims, Arabs, people like this. There was, there was people from basically every corner of the globe that did amazing, interesting, phenomenal things. So, you know, so to say, you know, Martin Luther King, well, he wasn't a great man, he was a great black man. To me, that sort of undermines the value. You know, nobody says Mahatma Gandhi was a great Indian man. They just say he was a great man. I mean, maybe some people say he was a great Indian man specifically, but for the most part, we don't classify people like that. Like Mother Teresa, all right? Mother Teresa was Albanian. How many people know that? Like no one, okay? But she was, she was Albanian. But we don't really classify white people that way. We don't characterize people by nationality that much. We just say this person did this awesome thing. I mean, certainly, various nations like to claim certain people. The Germans will say, this guy was German. How great are the Germans? This British person, British people will say, oh, this guy was British. How great are the British people and stuff like that. But for the most part, white people don't typically look at a, an accomplished white person and say, oh, this person was white. How great are white people? We just accept, you know, this guy's an individual. He did some great, awesome thing. And, and that's how it should be. And that's how it always has been. But now in the 21st century, we've come upon this very strange time in our culture in which 
we are talking about people as part of groups. We aren't talking about groups as being bad or good. We're talking about white people and black people and Hispanics and Muslims and this kind of stuff. And, and uh, of course, this is all due to leftists insisting that white people are all bad and black people are all good, etc., etc. And so we need to combat this. We need to combat this. And so we've actually found ourselves in a time, and I hate to say this, we've actually found ourselves in a time in which we have to say openly and proudly, white people are awesome. Now I'm gonna get into the rationale behind my thoughts. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about critical race theory, right? Um, but it's not just critical race theory. There is essentially a false history of the world that is currently being developed by radical leftists who want to undermine the accomplishments of white people generally. I mean, these people are racist, right? And some of them are white, but they're racist. They, you know, it's like General Milley said, I'm white, but I want to understand white rage. I mean, this is a person who basically wants to get out of being blamed for anything white people do by saying, well, I, I know white people are evil, but I'm not one of the evil ones because I want to understand white rage, right? That's that kind of deflection that Democrats do. I'm gonna throw the entire white race under the bus because then I can stand back and I can say, well, I'm not one of them because I'm the one throwing them under the bus, right? It's this tactic they use to appear to be an ally, you know, their language. But it's gotten out of hand. I mean, I, I can understand an individual's desire to not appear to be racist, fine. But don't throw the rest of the, us under the bus because you want to seem pure and good and you want to seem like an ally. It's ridiculously selfish, but it's gotten to a point where it's gotten really out of control because all Democrats will do this, whether they're a politician or a voter, Basically, all Democrats will say, yes, we have to recognize the evil of white people. I mean, I've even heard some Republicans say this, even people that I really care about. I've been on the phone with them and they've said, well, you gotta admit, white people have done some really bad things. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would you say that? Yeah, I mean, certainly every group of people have done terrible things, right? Every group of people have done terrible things. A major group, major race of people have done terrible things. To pinpoint white people and say, oh, you're, you've been particularly bad, no. No, we haven't. White people have not been particularly bad through history. In fact, white people have been incredibly good. The problem is power. When people have a lot of power, everything they do has a great impact. So if this particular group does, you know, this many good things, it has this massive positive impact. If they do this many bad things, it still has a massive impact. Now, if you put on a scale all the good things that white people have done for the world, all the benefits, uh, you know, white people have, have had on the world, like, uh, you know, uh, vaccines, for instance, vaccines, the concept of a vaccine, the, the invention of the vaccine, the development of those, antibiotics, right? Basically all of modern medicine, really, any kind of medical technology, anything. Vehicles, the car, the airplane, the wheel. A lot of people give me crap for saying the wheel was invented by white people. Look it up. The wheel was invented by white people in Ukraine. That's the earliest wheels they were able to find. Many cultures never invented the wheel. It wasn't until white Europeans introduced technologies to these different cultures that they ever even saw a wheel. They even could conceive of it. Airplanes, jets, air conditioning, various kinds of engineering, bridges, these kinds of structures. There are just so many things that white people contributed to the world. So if you took a scale and you put all the benefits that white people ever had on the world on one side and you put all the harms on the other, the benefits way outweigh the harms, like a gazillion times. White people have had such a positive effect on the world, it's, it's incalculable. But we never focus on that. We never focus on the benefits. We always focus on the negative things, the nasty things, the things we gotta make up for, right? And why is this? It's because certain white people don't wanna be perceived as racist, so they throw the rest of us under the bus, and then 
people who are genuinely racist against white people use that and manipulate it, right? It's funny, the media is always saying that, oh, we can't report on black crime because then white people will all become Ku Klux Klan members and like kill all the black men in the country. Obviously, that's ridiculous, that there's no evidence of that. There's no reason to suspect that. But Democrats are delusional and totally irrational, and they believe that stuff. But there is a good reason to believe that if you keep demonizing white people and keep saying that their inventions aren't their inventions and, and they've never done anything good for the world, they've only done bad, that you will have a backlash against white people. You see this. I've done videos about this where there are black people who murder white people because they just hate white people. They're just racist. Right? There is an uptick in this happening in the country. We don't hear about it, but that's happening. But not only that, but you also have these institutions saying, well, we have to put more black people because it's not fair uh, in, in positions of power. We have to put them in positions of power. There's some commercial that's like, you know, only 6% of businesses are owned by black people. So that needs to change. Only 6% of U.S. retail businesses have a black owner. That needs to change. So I did something. I created a black business accelerator at Amazon. And now we have a program that's dedicated to making tomorrow a better day for black businesses. And so the idea is like, oh, there's not enough black owned businesses. We got to like give money to black people to start up their own businesses. That's a failed idea to begin with. You just give people who maybe are not equipped to create a business. You just give them money. They're just going to have a bigger failure, right? You need to equip people with the education. You need to equip people with the tools to create a good business, to run a good business. You can't just make them successful by giving them more money. That's not gonna do it, right? So we need to fix the school system, stuff like that. You're taking the wrong approach when you just say, when you just attack the symptom and you don't attack the cause, but I digress. But let's go back to the whole reason that we need to acknowledge the accomplishments of Europeans and people of European descent, Americans, Canadians, Australians, people like that. The reason we need to do this, we now need to do it, is because they're creating a false history of the world. And this has become so prevalent, this false, this idea of, well, let's give black people credit for stuff white people did and make black people seem all like they're, uh, they're unsung heroes. And the white people are all these like actual villains just taking credit for all the stuff that black people have done. This has become such a popular thing to do for Democrats even Joe Biden is doing it. Joe Biden, Joe Biden actually said that the light bulb was not invented by Thomas Edison, but rather it was invented by a black guy. Why in God's name don't we teach history in history classes? A black man invented the light bulb, not a white guy named Edison. Okay. Now that is absolutely false. It's not even remotely true. I, there was a black guy who was working on different kinds of filaments, who was working at the different companies that were trying to develop light bulbs. And he, I think at one point he did work for Edison, but he didn't invent the light bulb. And so this is a thing that, that is done with black inventors. I see this actually often, is you'll have an invention like uh, the traffic light where there was somebody who developed a traffic light. Always a white, it's always a white guy, okay? I'm just gonna put it bluntly like that. It's always a white guy. Some white guy invents something. Then another white guy improves upon it. Another white guy improves upon it. Another white guy improves upon it. Makes a different version, makes a better version, makes something that people like a little bit better, whatever. Then some black guy comes in, makes, granted, brilliant guy, brilliant guy, comes in and says, okay, that's a good invention. I'm gonna tweak it, make a slightly different variation of it. Does that, 
okay, that one's a little better than the previous one. Then some, somebody else comes along, always another white guy, <laughs> makes a better version, better version, better version. There's all these, there's like a thousand iterations of, a, of an invention. And what these pseudo-historians will do, they're trying to change history, trying to rewrite the books, 1984 style. They'll come in, they'll say, oh, there's one black guy who worked on the traffic light and he made a better version than this guy and, and you know then the other people made other versions of whatever let's tell everybody that he was critical to the development of the traffic light which I mean if he hadn't made his iteration would it have continued to develop and better versions come along yeah, of course but you know they want to make black people seem inventive they want to give the guy credit okay I can understand that impulse the guy was a smart guy he deserves credit he deserves his name to be remembered Fine, that's fine. The trouble comes when people then point to this one black guy and says, oh, this guy was even more instrumental than the guy that originally developed the traffic light. In fact, he was so instrumental, you could even say he invented it. And then people go, oh, a black guy invented the traffic light. It wasn't the, this white guy. Oh, a black guy invented the traffic light. And if you look online, you'll find that as listed in black inventions. You'll, you'll see there are people who say that a black guy invented the traffic light. It's just not true. The same goes with the light bulb. and. And Edison. Edison invented the light bulb. There's some debate about, you know, exactly, you know, who deserves credit and all this kind of stuff. But lots of historians have debated this for decades, and the general consensus is Edison did, in fact, invent the light bulb. But Joe Biden gets somebody telling him, blah, 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 blah. Actually, a black guy, put that in your speech. So Biden, of course, Biden doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's saying. So he just says that haphazardly in a speech, and now tons of people believe that. Even CNN had to fact check Biden on this. In fact, there was a whole video that was, I don't remember what the, it was one of these like leftist, like Buzzfeed type companies that make these stupid videos on YouTube. They made this whole video about black inventions that you couldn't live with today without the black inventor. Now I have a feeling you're about to drop a list on me of I, things I didn't know that were invented by black people. White No. Black person. Black person. Black person. Black person. This, I believe, is made by a white guy. Well, Ford, those those were white dudes. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go with white dude. Um, <laughs> white man, we established that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Unless but, this is a trick, how wrong were we? All of these are black dudes. <laughs> See, these are the things that they need to teach us about a little bit harder, a little bit longer, a little bit stronger, a little bit louder. Of course, this video was entirely torn apart by one of my favorite YouTubers, Don't Walk run. All of these are black lying! <laughs> to be fair, I'm not sure that the producer is lying per se, but she is factually wrong on everything that I showed you. That guy's awesome. I love that guy. Really great breakdown of this video. Just absolutely destroyed it. And he's spot on. I think every single invention that was discussed in that video was by a white person and then they gave credit to the black person, right? It was all a lie. The whole thing was a lie. And again, like, we shouldn't care about this. This shouldn't even be that big of a deal because it shouldn't be about are they black inventors? Are they white inventors? That, to me, that doesn't really matter. What matters is that now they're trying to rewrite history just because they don't like white people, right? There's this push, this, this anti-white push, this racist push against white people and they're trying to rewrite history and give credit to people who maybe they're very smart people, very intelligent people, very deserving of the credit that they maybe should get, but maybe they haven't gotten in the past, but they don't deserve so much credit as to be the inventor of things they weren't. You know, and not only that, not only is the rewriting of history a problem, but all of this 
is eventually going to cause people to stop recognizing any contributions by white people. Right? And that's the goal of a lot of these racists that are trying to create this pseudo-history. The goal is to say, white people really haven't had any positive impact on the world. Vaccines? Oh, that was probably invented by a Chinese person. Oh, antibiotics? Oh, it was probably a black guy in, in, in Africa. If they push this far enough, they can really make people believe that white people really haven't had any positive impact on the world at all. But they will, of course, give us credit for all of the harms. Anything that they have seen that has been a harm, that has done, been done to the world in any way whatsoever, they will, of course, give white people credit for that. Right? They'll blame white people for anything bad that's ever happened to any other culture. Now, here's a question that I've asked myself that I think is important. Why is it that this has all occurred? Why is it that, like, you know, if you're an individual, you might say, uh, well, I don't want people to think poorly of me. So if somebody says something bad about me, I'm going to say, no, that's not true. And I'm going to try to defend myself. Well, why is it that white people haven't really defended themselves up until this point? Why have we just kind of accepted all of these lies that, oh, white people didn't invent anything, they didn't do anything good, they just colonized places that are just bad, they're just horrible, they're just enslavers, they're just wretched, horrible, evil people? Why have we accepted this? Why, why have we went along with this false narrative? Well, I think there's two reasons, actually. One is our cultural impulse to exude modesty. Culturally, in Europe, it's impolite to brag, right? People don't, you, you see somebody brag, you say, that guy's ugly person inside, right? Maybe he might be a good looking person physically, but as soon as he says, oh, I'm ridiculously good looking, you go, okay, he might be good looking on the outside, but he's ugly on the inside. We, we find it detestable. So that's why I think it's very difficult for people to say, look at all the things white people have accomplished. We're amazing, right? Like, that's very hard for white people to say. It's very white, hard for white people to say this kind of thing, right? It's just culturally, it's just anathema. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just revolting. And so I think that that has led us to when people say you've, you've, you're a bad group of people. You've done some really bad things. White people to go, yeah, nope, yeah, you're right. We're bad. We're not, we're not so good. When, when people say, oh, white people didn't invent that thing, instead of white people going. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've done this as well. If somebody has said something that you totally disagree with, you know it's false, a lot of the time, many, many people just go, oh, okay, sure. I mean, I've certainly done it. I mean, a lot of times I go, what the hell are you talking about? That's not true at all. But every once in a while, if I don't want to deal with somebody, I'll just go, oh, yeah, okay, okay, you know? It's, it's obvious what they're saying is insane, but you just kind of go, all right. And I think as a culture, we've just been going, okay, way too much to such a degree that we've all, we've got this false history starting to emerge and people just don't especially democrats democrats are like no 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 we're we're good not expressing any kind of praise for anyone of european descent we're good with that we don't want to say anything good about white people we're happy to just you know because they have that whole idea of let's just throw everybody under the bus white people under the bus so that we can seem like we're we're outside of that. We're not the racists that we are condemning. We're, we, we have nothing to do with the racism that we're saying exists within the white race. We're stepping aside. We're stepping out of that. Uh, so you can see I'm an ally. So they have a sort of dual motive there. Be humble and also blame other people for bad things and stay out of it themselves. But there's another reason. There's another reason that I think that we have neglected to acknowledge that white people, that Europeans have really accomplished a great deal and that, you know, we should recognize that and we should, to some degree, be proud of it and we should talk about it and we should be open about it. 
And the reason that we don't talk about this stuff is sort of, the, you know, the same reason that we don't talk about black people committing crimes on the news. There is this bizarre fear, I think among a lot of white people, even some conservatives, but, but mostly people on the left. There's this fear that if we talk about too much black crime, then there will be this uprising of, you know, white KKK members that are going out and they're, they're executing black men. In the same way, I think that there is this totally irrational fear that if white people become too proud of ourselves, if we become too proud of our own race, then we'll all become white supremacists, right? Like, I think that there is this bizarre idea, and, and, and okay, it's not that bizarre because it has happened historically. It has happened historically. But honestly, that, that happens in a lot of different groups. That happens with a lot of different races, with a lot of different cultures. But white people have historically been very powerful. And so the things that we do have a greater impact than people who are less powerful. But that doesn't mean that we're especially prone to becoming radicalized or something like that, to becoming a kind of like a racial extremist. In fact, I would actually go so far as to say that we are the least likely to become a racial extremist, a radical extremist. And the reason for that is that we have a history that we can recognize as racial extremism, and we've seen the negative consequences of that, right? We've seen the negative consequences of the Jim Crow era, of slavery, of you know the genocide of the Jews during World War II. You know, we've seen the, the actual effects of these sorts of things and how horrific they, they can become. And so we, we know that you shouldn't be like that, right? We have a cultural ethic against it. We have a cultural ethic against racism which is such an amazing progression of our culture. Like, I don't know of any other culture in the world who has such a strong ethic against racism. If you go to Japan, they don't have an ethic against racism. If you go to Cuba or Mexico or even African tribes, if you go to an African tribe, they'll point to the other tribe and say, those people are inferior, right? You go to Saudi Arabia, you go to Iran, uh, you go to Korea, you know, you go to all these different places and racism is sort of part of life. Uh, certainly, American culture has put forth the idea that racism is bad in our movies, our television shows. Uh, certainly, people have heard this and recognized that, you know, white people believe it. And um, so it has influenced, to some degree around the world, has influenced people to be less racist. But for the most part, really anywhere you go in the world, people are viciously racist. And so when you compare that to white people, Americans in particular, American white people, I think, are the least likely people to become a radicalized racist. And so this idea that, oh, we're not allowed to take pride in the accomplishments of other white people, we're not allowed to take pride in European heritage, we're not allowed to take pride in this stuff, because then that can become a sort of like a rallying cry for white nationalists or, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, or, and then potentially there can be the emergence of a new Adolf Hitler or something like that. That's just absurd. I think it's absurd. You might say, okay, well, it might sound absurd, but it also sounded absurd 10 years ago, the idea that, you know, the Democrats might try to toy with an election, let's say. And yet that seems to have happened. So, uh, you know, anything is possible. And that's true. Anything is possible that is possible. There could become people who are so radicalized that they become Hitlerian. I just don't see this sort of thing happening anytime soon. I don't think it's a real concern. And I think that anybody who says, oh, we shouldn't teach that people of European heritage have had a positive impact on the world because we might see a resurgence of white nationalists and an Adolf Hitler, to me, that's insane. I actually think that today, to some degree or another, you are probably seeing 
some people becoming a little bit more radicalized toward the idea of white nationalism, toward the idea of uh, you know racism, white racism. But it's not because too, we have too much pride as a race. It's not because uh, of anything positive that we talk about white people. I think it's because of this ridiculous onslaught against white people. People see this and they become radicalized. So I think that a balance needs to be struck there and we actually need to combat this absolute hatred and viciousness and racism against white people with a little bit of positivity, a little bit of love, okay? It's not about, it's not about saying white people are the best people in the world. It's just about saying they're human beings. They have their flaws, but they also have their value and we need to respect European history, we need to respect European people, and we need to respect the white race as a group of people are not to be condemned and just dismissed as pure evil, but rather respected as a group like all the other races. All right, well, that's it for me. And remember, it's not that the liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they're all racist. <laughs> Good night. We have so many people who can't see a fat man standing beside a thin one without coming to the conclusion the fat man got that way by taking advantage of the thin one. You know, someone very profoundly once said that if fascism ever comes to America, it'll come in the name of liberalism. Fascism is private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy?